Welcome to the NADCE podcast. This is our second half of an absolutely fascinating conversation on urban ministry. Now, if you haven't had a chance to hear the first part, please stop, go back and listen to that. But if you have been tracking with us, you'll recall that we've been speaking candidly with DCEs from the downtown St. Louis area, as well as downtown Houston, and allowing them to share their experiences, their insights on what it looks like to be a DCE in an urban setting. These conversations have been interesting, fascinating, really, but raw. And we hope that as you listen, it would be a blessing for you to realize what ministry looks like in different settings. Maybe this setting is different than yours. Maybe some pieces are the same. But we would love to continue to highlight DCEs in different areas as we continue to serve God. So, as I always say, go get a cup of coffee or whatever drink of choice you love. Sit back and enjoy the rest of this conversation. I was thinking at first when you were talking that that's such an, a neat way for DCEs to go about almost every conversation, especially with a person that is coming at them with, like you're saying, a preconceived notion about something, no matter really what their context is, and then a question that they're posing to you. It could feel like you're being like in a gotcha situation, but you aren't saying it that way. You're saying, I want to understand and see where you're at, but you're kind of juxtaposing urban with suburban and I'm wondering, is that something for both of you that's way more prevalent because you are in urban ministry? Or do you think that's a really good practice for DCEs to be involved in when they're encountering people talking about issues, culture, faith, life, whatever those things might be? Do, do you think that's something that's more particular to you because you're in urban ministry? Or do you think maybe you're sort of touching on something that'd be very important for us to be taking in as a best practice for all of our conversations. Trying to put words onto it. I think you can just, and not that you don't have honest conversations, but they're doing a lot of hiding for their parents. Mm -hmm. And in an urban situation, I mean, it's flat out. I don't have food. Can I take the pizza home with me tonight so that the rest mm -hmm. of my siblings have something to eat? There's not a, there's, there's not a hidden thing. And so the kids will tell you about their friends at school and how they're different. And there's not a, they're happy to tell you, you know, they're not hanging out with Christians or they're not, there's not, there's not a hidden veil. Mm -hmm. Is there a, to me, okay, so doing ministry in California, I think all of our, all of the calls that I had in California had more of a diverse aspect because it's just a whole bunch of different type of people. And it's not a city with a, a suburb. It was all kind of, I don't know, it was just odd. But maybe I still, am, I'm really hearing you and trying to like put myself in this position. Like, well, did I have those kind of conversations? I guess one, one thing that strikes me from what both you ladies are saying is if there's a lot more stripped away and you're not spending so much time thinking about how you can be in position, jockeying for position and pretending you're to be something that you're not or whatever, is there a more thirsty, authentic 
quest for who God actually is, as opposed to the church says, I have to like, if you're in a suburban church, you said the story before about a homeless person coming in and then being escorted out because that doesn't fit the vibe of that congregation versus maybe I'm having a, a hunger for who God is. Who does God actually say I am? Do you notice that more powerfully in your congregations or or have we kind of lost those kind of conversations across the board? I think because my kids do not go to Lutheran schools, some of them do, but the ones that don't, they have authentic friends and they have authentic questions about what that means. Mm. And so you can have an, my, my friend is Hindu or my friend is Jewish or my friend is transgendered or my friend is X, Y, and Z. And so you can have a very, you can have a very open conversation about what all of these things mean. When you have kids that are just coming from a Lutheran school and their parents want everything to look, they want their kids to be hanging out with other Lutheran kids who have coming from the same socioeconomic uh, thing. And I think, and so there's a lot of, even if they had different friends, they're not going to tell someone out of fear that their parents aren't going to allow that to happen. Mm. And so, you know, like a couple months ago, you know, having a kid come in and saying, you know, my boyfriend wants to commit suicide, like, and you're not the first person that they've been able to tell, like, there's not a, there's, there's not a, a veil. Uh, Yeah. I'll stop using that word here soon. (laughs) No, I think you're, I mean, you're kind of speaking to sort of a, a glass. It's not, it's not something where we have to put on this face when we're in this setting, right? Correct. I mean, let it yeah. hang out. They're, they're going to give you your true self and they're going to come and ask the true questions as opposed to the question they should be asking. Mm. Their parents want them to ask. Right. The should in quotation marks. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that like I press really hard um, is don't use the word should. Following yeah. God is not about should. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to to tell you to do memory work for confirmation because you should. Yeah. Um, now, yes, technically you should, right? Like that's that because for adults, right? My response to Jesus is what I should be doing, right? Mm-hmm. But for kids, a lot of times should means that's an obligation, right? And it's not about my relationship with Jesus. And so I have really press with mine um your relationship with jesus doesn't require you to wear a face and so i don't um and and some of that like i do it in the way i dress the way i look the way i act the way i talk to them i don't try to dress it up or try to be like more professional um i try to let them see authentically where i'm at on a sunday morning um and I would say that that happens in suburban churches too. Um, at the same time, I think suburban life, like you said, kind of has a veil. I have to, I have to look the way I, I'm supposed to look. I have to act the way I'm supposed to act. I have to have the things I'm supposed to have. Um, I remember having a conversation with a kid of like, well, I just, I don't like that my, my cell phone. Well, why not? Be- because it's a six. <laughs> I'm you have a cell phone, friend. Um, that's, that's a luxury, not a requirement. Yeah. Um, so 
check your reality a little bit. Um, and for me, because I'm in downtown every day, um, that's given me a lot of opportunity to, to look at my suburban kids and go, hey, you're missing a thing. You have so much. Um, be grateful for that instead of being upset that you're not keeping up with the Joneses. Um, and that's been a cool thing to, to use our context to help break. Um, but the other thing that I've found out recently is they don't actually realize um, the affluence of the people around them. Because I think we don't wear that the way that it gets worn in the suburbs. Mm. You know, as far as the kids are concerned, we all make the same amount of money. Um, they just, they don't recognize uh, that kind of difference. Um, and they're learning how to be themselves around adults. Um, and that's one of the things that was really funny after the youth gathering is one of them whose family um, is really involved in our church, uh, but like they haven't been Lutheran their whole lives. And so this is a very new thing to them. Yeah. Um, and they were like, oh man, it was so cool to see like there are other kids who believe like us um, and that they exist, right? Because like, you know, there's more adults than there are kids at our congregation, or at least high school kids. Mm -hmm. um, and so I said, hey, if you can talk to me, because remember, I am an adult, technically. Uh, if you can talk to me, <laughs> uh, you can talk to them. Yeah, sometimes you might have to change it a little bit because they don't understand some of your slang. Mm -hmm. But if you can talk to me, you can talk to them. And they, they want to love you as much as I do. Um, and so that's been a cool thing to help them start to bridge those generational gaps. Um, it's so huge, yeah. And and teaching my older members, like, hey, you don't actually age out of youth ministry. Just yeah. by the way, <laughs> you're still you're still here. God can still use you. Um, yeah. Do you find Haley um, and Andre? I'm going to ask you this as well. When you when you speak of like. I mean, because obviously everybody, even the poorest in our nation is a lot richer than a lot of people from developing countries say. Um, do you find it, the opportunity to work in urban ministry changes your uh, consuming habits or how you how you dress up? Um, not just how you dress with your clothes, but like what bells and whistles you might put on a Bible study or what types of ways you might deliver. I was talking um, with this recently with some women in ministry of how they, what's their mode of delivery for uh, how they present the gospel or how they, they do a lesson for Christian education. Do you find that the context you're in really informs how you spend or what you buy, how you teach, how you present the lesson? Um, for my situation, sometimes we have limited resources, um, you know, $200 to do VBS and go, um, yeah. I've given, uh, I think $500 to do youth ministry and everything else I have to fundraise. 
Um, and so that, that changes how you do it. It's, it's not going to be splashy and we're not going to have X, Y, and Z. Uh, and I think it's great because it was, it's, it's simple. Um, things that I refuse to do that I did out in the suburbs, like out in the suburbs, we would have like jello fest night, like where we would have so much jello and then they would throw it at each other along with whatever else. I'm like, there is no way that I am going to have any visualization of food being wasted and, mm. and just being washed away. Yeah. Um, and so you, you change that kind of stuff and like, you don't need the big flashy televisions and projectors and, and whatnot. Um, so sort of weird last year, we found out that our water had arsenic in it. Jeez. And so we've solved it in one of our buildings, but the, the building that we did youth ministry in, we, we, we haven't solved it yet. And so like just the availability of water is, is where you live sometimes are we going to do something that's going to involve them drinking because i don't really want to carry 20 gallons of water into the building and you know andre got us bottled water that's flashy um (laughs) so our definitions change and so and i don't want to do stuff that's going to cost a lot of money because not you know the kids out in the suburbs might have the money but the kids don't and so our servant events that we do every every summer and the national youth gathering we charged a total of $50 per person if they had it and we fundraised and we fundraised the rest. And wow. it's a good place to be at that pretty much everything is going to be free and uh, we will, we will find the funding for it somewhere. But when you're finding the funding somewhere, you don't, you're not going to spend the money on, on things that don't need to exist. Interesting. And so Andrea, for your, uh, the way you're doing ministry, then if you have that set amount, then a lot of your day-to-day or week-to-week job description is promoting uh, the ministry so that people can buy in, literally invest in what's happening in the setting, right? Yeah, we're talking the kids up in the ministry and what we're doing and randomly money finds its way to you. I love that. I love that. That's probably very different than a lot of people in a suburban context because they might have a budget that probably has what they need um, or parents would foot the rest of it, I would imagine. Okay. Uh, same question for you, Haley. Would Would you say that what you buy or how you dress or what you teach or how you present, would you say that it is purposefully different because of the setting that you're in? Yes. Um, Mine is a little bit different because like I've kind of mentioned, like our congregation is pretty affluent. Um, So where Andrea, you have to like work really hard to come up with the money sometimes, I could walk up to one of our members and like have everything I needed the next day, Mm -hmm. Um, which is like, it still blows my mind sometimes. Like, Um, the youth gathering, uh, the way we did our fundraising was, uh, we did what's called, um, shareholders. Um, and so we said basically like, Hey, you can buy in at these four different levels. And at each level you get this thing back. Um, and then we did like a dinner for our youth, um, and, or for our youth to share afterwards. Um, and that's when they realized like, Oh my gosh, we've been given a whole bunch of money. And I said, yeah, friends, 
<laughs> but the crazy thing is that it only took me two months to get it. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you all know kind of how much it took to get there. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, because of the affluence, I actually try to be more simple than crazy. Um, it, it's just me as a person. I'm, I'm a simpler person. Now, if you looked at my office, and I mean, you can kind of see it's pretty cluttered. Um, but most of it is like sentimental clutter. Mm -hmm. It's not just like things to have things. Um, so just as a person, I'm a simple person. Um, and I feel like in a lot of ways, my kids crave simplicity. They don't want all the crazy, like, let's do jello. Like, we've never done jello fest. Um, sounds interesting, but like, I, I don't think my kids are gonna get on board with it. Um, uh, because of the reality that they have all these things. Um, I did an exercise with them. I was like, hey, what do you guys want to do? Right. Um, and one of the things they planned was a movie night and a pool party and like just really simple. Let's be together. Yeah. You know, and and when I said let's do you want to go to a movie like go to the movie theaters right because that's the thing I did as a kid um with my youth group is we went to a movie um and they were like well that costs a lot of money and I said don't stress about that part if that's what y'all want let's figure it out um because it's not their job to worry about it it's like you said if I need it God will provide right mm -hmm. um but a lot of a lot of our ministries just simple because of who I am and who God has made me be like I don't want a supply heavy curriculum I don't want to have to prep all these things um that's not who I thrive or where I thrive um I thrive in those relationships you could ask any one of my staff that admin while I can do it not what I thrive at um <laughs> reach that <laughs> so a lot of this is like, okay, how can I put myself into the place that I thrive, which is those simple relationships, the teachable moments, the, e the, the organic conversations where I'm getting the real stuff from them instead of having to do 10,000 copies of whatever. Um, that is a very big exaggeration. I don't think I've ever made 10,000 copies and I hope I never do. <laughs> um, but so yeah, just me as a person, I'm more simplistic. Um, you know, for youth stuff, I'm almost always in like jeans and a t-shirt or yoga pants and a t-shirt. Like that's just kind of me. Um, and then Sunday mornings, like I kind of dress up a little more um, to make a point uh, to my kids of like, hey, reverence works. Um, but I actually did a children's message um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, where I did costume changes in front of the whole church, right? And so it was really funny because uh, most people saw me in my, like, maxi dress beforehand, my t-shirt maxi dress. Mm -hmm. um, and one member saw me after I'd put on, like, my basketball shirts and t-shirt and, sh like, sneakers. And they're like, you're really casual today. And I was like, well, there is a point, I promise. <laughs> um, and so, like, walked up there and, you know, did my costume changes, made them guess, like, I'm going to a ball game, I'm going to the beach, um, and then I, you know, took off the rest, and I'm back in my dress, and I said, well, 
does wearing a dress, right? Because they all were like, oh, you're going to church. And I said, yes, good job. But does wearing a dress make me a good Christian? Um, and they were like, no, so, oh, good. We got the right answer. Good job. Um, but it, it's not about what you're wearing. Yeah. Um, that doesn't make you a good Christian or a bad Christian or anything in between. Um, and so I had a member the next week, like, okay, so I'm going to tell pastor, you told me I can wear jeans. And I said, yes, you sure can. Um, because you know, that's just like the kind of reality is, is Trinity downtown is like a suit and tie or you know, slacks okay. kind of church. At the same time, though, it's not where if you walked in in jeans, you wouldn't feel welcome. Right. Um, there's not that vibe. Um, people more or less like look at a person just as a person. It's not about, oh, you you don't get it or or obviously you don't have enough money to be here or anything like that. Um it's a very come as you are church, um, even though it is widely affluent. In the in the way people think about church, especially um, more traditional denominations like LCMS, it is this idea of um, I guess it would be probably right a suburban idea that you come in a dress or you come you know in nicer clothes. I can remember one of the churches I served, a young man was serving in one of the services. He went to the first service and then he was serving all through the middle education hour. And um, he normally wore to church um, sort of like sandals and khaki shorts and a like a t-shirt. And uh, a kid was supposed to usher and that kid didn't show up or was sick or something. It's been years, I don't remember. And so this young man who'd already been worshiped and had already served all through the thing. He said, I'll help serve. And the head usher who was wearing a, a suit and tie and was very important, uh, also affluent said, well, not dress like that. You won't go home and change. And when you, when you're dressed appropriately, then you can come back in sort of a, like looking down his nose. And the young man went home and did not come back and didn't serve and doesn't attend that church anymore. Uh, still walks with Jesus. But again, this idea that it matters those things I think you both have been sort of speaking into that extra layer of fluff. You don't miss it. Like that's not the, that's not the point. It, it almost gets in the way. Right. So I'm surprised about how much time people put into what they're wearing to church. So we spend a little bit of time working our corner outside and cause there's people out on the sidewalk. So like we do a pet blessing and so we can talk to people mm-hmm. Or we do ashes on the street, just opportunities that we are outside on our corner, just talking to people as they go by. And they're like, well, if we wanted to come to church, what would we wear? And how often we are asked that. And because they're afraid to show up in a place and not be dressed correctly. And the church should be the last place that you should be able to walk in however you are, whoever you are, and to be welcomed and loved and I'm always surprised with how much time and energy is put into what should I wear to church. Um, Do you think, Andrea, it's a sense of reverence, but that has sort of gone awry to where the, not the being reverent of a loving God, but more of the focus on the clothes? Because we always sort of derive, we always it always goes down to the last bottom little piece it probably started as something nice. I, I wear my Sunday best because I honor God, but now it's become, why are you wearing that? Right. 
Well, especially like, well, we're also taking that as I'm coming from generational Lutheranism or generational going to church. And if you're able to pull off someone who's never been to church before and get them inside, the clothing should be the last part. Exactly. Um, for the pet blessing, we have people inside that they can take a tour. And we had four uh, teenagers walk in and they've never been inside the church. And on the way out, they're like, we weren't sure what to expect. We thought people would be yelling at us and we're going to try coming for the first time. Oh, I love it. it but not the yelling part, but that's so cool that they had such a good experience. Because they, they were able to walk in with who they are. And yeah. I think being able to show up and to worship authentically you and to show up in front of God authentically you is maybe something that we have forgotten. Mm, that's and huge. also part of that veil. Yes, you're right. That's the theme word of our of our episode, and it's a good one. Um, I want to honor your time and um, and sort of end with this last question. And I think you have spoke so much into the community, but my last question is, what advice would you have for someone who's interested in learning more about urban ministry or maybe participating in urban ministry from their own context, whether that's in a city or whether they are in, in a suburban context, um, you know, what kind of uh, maybe one or two pieces of advice you might have or things for people to think about? I would say one of the things that if you're in a suburban context and you want to try to serve an urban context is not to bring your suburban mentality into that urban context. Um, I'm sort of tired of people posting, well, we want to do like homeless bags for people. And they tell us that that's what we need. But if I give a homeless woman a purse filled with whatever products, you know what happens to that homeless woman? Yes, she now has a purse on her. She gets jumped and she goes to the hospital because mm. some suburbs saw some clip on YouTube saying that homeless women need purses filled with ideas. And I think it's the importance of asking the church what they need and then uh, helping fulfill in that way as opposed to vice versa and the other part is is oftentimes in the urban settings we get a lot of great people and for some weird reason the suburban churches feel that when we get someone good it's their right to come and take them and so they come and ask give them like ten twenty thousand dollars more because they see that there's somebody of value as Shoot, opposed really? to them coming in and helping support that person to stay in the ministry and to use those gifts and abilities in that urban setting. Wow, I did not know that. That is a very popular thing to do around oh, here. Oh, no, that's, yeah. We thank you for listening to this month's podcast sample and hope you are encouraged and challenged to hear the whole podcast, members can go into the member area of our website at nadce.com. If you're not a member yet, we would also ask you to visit nadce.com to complete the membership application so that you can enjoy all the benefits of membership. These benefits include joining us at Meeting Tent and Emmaus Table Online Community Groups and receiving our quarterly publication. Also, you'll get a discount to our conference that happens every other year. That's it for us right now. We wish you God's blessings on your day.